Yes, oh yes, and once again, yes. It's that time. It is time for Therapy Thursday. I missed y'all. I missed y'all. I feel like it's been a, a hot minute. A hot minute since I've had a chance to serve you all. Come on in the room. Come on, come on. Tag somebody. Let them know it's time, bro. It's time, sis. Therapy Thursday is about to kick off. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, and once again, welcome. I believe that tonight is going to be spiritually nutritious and also therapeutic for so many of us. And I tell us this, I think, every week. There are going to be requirements as a believer, as a benevolent follower of Jesus, that is going to require for you to be healthy on the inside to do it. So my brother and I, Isaac and I, just want to render to you health, want to render to you healing, and I want to get to work. I want to get to work because this, this content that I feel as though the Lord has given me on tonight, I think is going to greatly um, assist you in your healing journey, in your becoming journey, your spiritual evolution. And I do want to say thank you. Thank you guys so much for just your love, your comments, emails, your giving. You all are absolutely amazing. So let's start this off right. I want, I want to let everybody know who's watching this, regardless if you're live, watching this live right now, or if you're watching the replay or listening to the podcast, I am proud of you. I am proud of you. The fact that you are not like watching Netflix right now, you are not binging something on YouTube, but you have stopped. You have stopped. You are being intentional with your spiritual evolution. This speaks volumes to how resilient you are. This speaks volumes to you just being serious and like, you know what? I said it. 2022 is going to be a year of me investing in my healing and my spiritual growth. I want to say I am proud of you. Can Let's just make everybody, can you just start tagging somebody in the room, in the chat? I'm proud of you, sis. At Ashley, I'm proud of you. At Michael, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You are being intentional. Some of us just need encouragement. Y'all ever notice like in, in football when somebody gets hit real hard? And they take time to get up because that, that hit kind of like knocked the wind out of them. What does everybody do once they start limping off the field? They clap. So I just want to encourage somebody. Yes, whatever you have gone through may have hurt, but you're still moving. I just want to make sure you're, you're not just moving, but moving right. Yes, what happened in the last season of your life may have been difficult, but you are still here. Your scars are not your labels. They are proof that you have survived. So thank you. Thank you so much. I'm honored and I'm so proud of you. We are in a process, a process. And I need us to know that the process that you are in and the process that I am in is a process that's not working against you. I know many times it feels like it, doesn't it? <laughs> it feels like it, but... This process is not working against you. It's working for you. This, this process is not working against you. It is working in you. And I am just a firm believer that you can never invest in your spiritual growth too much. You, you can never heal too much. So I am honored to serve you. I'm grateful. Great, like gratitude was just a word that God put in my heart to really, really have. <laughs> 
for the 2020 calendar year. Being a pastor in a pandemic is hard, y'all. <laughs> it's been, it was so hard just, just revamping everything. You don't have faith because you're wearing a mask. We wear masks. We don't. You're vaxxed. We're not. I'm vaxxed. It was just, it's just a lot. Just pray for your pastors. Pray for your leaders. But just a word that God gave me specifically in the 2020 calendar year was gratitude. Gratitude is the parent of all postures. It raises things. That's good. Gratitude is the parent of all postures. It raises things. You want to raise your joy meter? Have gratitude. You, you want to raise your, your peace meter? Have gratitude. Gratitude is the parent of all postures. It raises things. And I want to serve you on tonight. I want to serve you mainly because I want your change to, of course, be due to the power of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, of course. But I want your change to be due to your mind being enlightened versus you changing because your heart was broken. Did y'all hear me? If, if you're going to change, let it be due to your cross collision. Let it be due to your mind being enlightened versus your heart being broken. Because heartbreak affects your perspective. Heartbreak affects how you respond. Heartbreak affects your sleep. Heartbreak affects your decision-making. Heartbreak affects how you think. And hear me, y'all. Prolonged brokenness. Heartbreak that goes unaddressed and untreated hands you paranoia. This is good, man. How long have I been on? Five, six minutes? This, this is good, y'all. Heartbreak, if you do not address it, if you are intentional with your healing, Heartbreak hands you paranoia. They're they gonna do the same thing. Oh, what's gonna happen now? Well, no, I don't trust this. It hands you paranoia because heartbreak affects your perspective. And if you swim in the water of dysfunction, after a while, peace will feel like a trigger. <laughs> I'm used to paranoia. Like when paranoia is sitting on the throne of your heart, peace can trigger you. What's going to happen? Something ain't right because paranoia has been sitting on my heart. And it's going to be hard for you to discover lanes of healing. Please hear me. It's going to be hard for you to discover lanes of healing, healing in spaces and places when paranoia is giving you directions. One more time. It's going to be hard for you to discover lanes of healing. Lanes of healing, healing places and spaces when paranoia is giving you directions. Can I get somebody to put in the room? Not today, though. Not today. Not today. Paranoia is not going to rule on my heart. Not today. Not today. But today, growth is going to start happening. But today, healing is going to start happening. But on today, chains are going to start breaking. But on today, my perspective is going to begin to shift. It is not something that happens overnight. The only thing that matures overnight is a mushroom. We're not trying to have fungus growth. I want to mature and my perspective to change because God is doing a work in my heart. Not today paranoia, but on today, I'm going to have God for dance. 
Confidence. I feel this, y'all. Confidence. I must have missed y'all. Not, not just confidence in your ability, not just confidence in your gift, not just confidence in your pursuits, but no, I have confidence in my God as I'm pursuing this. I have confidence in my God because he gave me the gift. I have confidence in my God. Godfidence. 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 Not today, paranoia, but on today, I'm going to develop. On today, I'm going to start experiencing relational wisdom. Relational wisdom. Hear me, y'all. God made you. God made you to be the district manager over the department of your peace. So you hire and you fire accordingly. <laughs> Johnny, what I just said? God made you district manager over your peace. So you hire and you fire accordingly. But... It's going to be hard, hard for you to hire accordingly if paranoia is sitting on the throne of your heart. It's going to be hard for you to fire accordingly if paranoia is sitting on your heart. It's going to be hard for you to hire accordingly. Hire things and places and people and mentors and coaches that are conducive for my healing if paranoia is still sitting on my heart. I have to hire and fire accordingly. Like people who are committed, people who are committed to misunderstanding me, I have fired the perspective of over-explaining myself to them. Anybody else? Like, I am no longer going to over-explain myself to people who are committed to misunderstanding me. No, that, that's fired. That's fired. Paranoia will no longer have the power or sit on the throne of my decision-making. I'm not going to be paranoid anymore. I can't change them. That's God's job. We talked about that. Part one of control issues, we talked about that. That's God's job. Your husband changing, that's God's job. Your, your wife changing, that's God's job. That, that, that's not your job. The outcome, that is God's job. You, you can't change them. Y'all got me sweating. You can't change them. You can't. Listen, six people before you tried to change him, ma'am. Six people before you tried to change her, sir, don't join the construction crew. <laughs> Six other people tried. Don't join the construction crew. That's God's job. Not today, paranoia, but on today, I'm going to develop. Can we talk, y'all? Can we talk? In, in the era of influencers and moguls and a chronic obsession with followers, subscriptions, likes, and views. May we be a people who value being developed. May we be a people who value, listen to me, value being developed. Many people want to be discovered. Few people want to be developed. Many, my, I could tell this is true because most of our prayers orbit around being discovered or us discovering something more than they are being developed. In the era of moguls and influencers and platforms and chronic obsession with views and likes and follows, may we be people who value development. May we be people who value, watch this, the off season.
the, the off season. I believe we have done people a disservice. We have, we have done the body a disservice. We have over-preached it being your season. We have over-preached your blessing is on the way. We have over-preached that so much so to where we don't value off-seasons. <laughs> like, like, I've arrived to this place. Maybe it's just me. But I believe it is better for me to be overdeveloped and underexposed than for me to be overexposed and underdeveloped. Preach Holy Ghost. It's better. Value the off-season. The off-season is when nobody knows your name, but you're training. The, the off-season can feel like the season of obscurity. The off-season is where you practice. The, the off-season is where you perfect your gift. The off-season is when you learn how to use your slingshot because it's too late for you to try to practice when Goliath is right across the field. It is too late for you to conjure and develop a prayer life when you're about to be thrown in the lion's den. <laughs> it's like, I need to have that faith now. Like, I need to have the faith now before I'm thrown in the fiery furnace. Now. Now. Appreciate the off-season. The off-season is what I like to call, it is for therapeutic sanctification. Oh, therapeutic sanctification. Therapeutic means to treat or provide healing to a thing. Sanctification means to be set apart for special use. So what God is trying to do, and one of the goals and the focuses of Therapy Thursday, is God wants you to heal and get the treatment that you need because I have special use of you. Because I have a special assignment for you. If it was not special, you wouldn't have a birthday. But the fact that you have a birthday, the fact that you have a pulse, the fact that you are still here, the fact that you are still in the land of the living means there is a work that is special that I have given just for you. And your birthday is irrefutable evidence of that. So. I need you to embrace the off season so that I could provide for you to get the healing that you need. So let, let me use some theological verbiage. God wants to deal with your Jacob. Like there's a whole lot of Jacob on the inside of you, but I know I have also called you to be Israel. Off season is where I could deal with your Jacob. Let's keep going. Off season is where I could deal with your Abram. I'm going to transform you and transition you into Abraham. But right now, there's a lot of Abram in you. So I have to place you in an off season. Somebody put in the room off season. I, I'm going to keep on going. There's a lot of Sarai in you. When God wants to do something amazing in your life, you begin to laugh because you think it's not possible for you. There's a lot of Sarai in you, but I want to place you in an off season where I could transition you to Sarah. I'm going to cause for you to give birth in a season where you should be out of season. <laughs> like it should be out of season because Sarah was old. She was like good and old. How are you still producing? I know how to bless you in a season that seems like you passed this, you missed this, it's too late. I have to deal with your Sarai so that you can become Sarah. There's a whole lot of Simon on the inside of you. Like, like you cut a heifer. 
You'll still cuss somebody clean out. There's a lot of Simon on the inside of you, but I know I could transition you to be Peter. So I have to place you in the off season because I want to deal with your Jacob. Let me give you Bible. This is good, y'all. Let me give you Bible. Look at this. Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. It says, and he arose that night, speaking of Jacob, and he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Pause real quick. Pause real quick. So Jacob put in front his value, valuable possessions. I'm putting things that are important to me up front. I'm putting my possessions, my gift up front. The reason I want to highlight that is because a lot of people have, are putting forth their gift to try to hide, I'm really Jacob. You can't see that I'm Jacob because you just see my giftedness. You can't see the struggles that I have of being Jacob because you just see where I'm gifted. You can't tell and you don't know what I'm really dealing with in the dark. You don't know the secret warfares I'm battling with because, oh, I could preach. Oh, I could sing. Oh, I, I know how to manage my, my budget and I know how to give people wisdom. Oh, I know how to mentor. Oh, I know how to coach. Oh, I know how to play football. Oh, I know how to play basketball. I'm putting my gift up front. But God wants to deal with your Jacob. And this is why it shocks us many times when things come out about people. It's because we have a pattern of putting our gift up front, but never allowing God to deal with Jacob. Then Jacob, this is verse 24. Then Jacob was alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. This is called a theophany or a Christophany. It is when we see God before the virgin birth, okay? So this is Jacob. He's wrestling with the Lord. We're going to prove that later on. He's wrestling with the Lord. Verse 25 says, Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. Okay. Sun is starting to shine. All right. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, this is powerful because I revealed to us many times we're in a dark place. We're wrestling with something in the dark. Nobody knows about it. Why? I just see your gift. I just see your post. I just see your talent. I, I just see where you're skilled. But nobody knows that I'm wrestling in the dark. I believe the darkness was symbolic of what's going on on the inside. What's going on on the inside. And when day began to break, when it dawned on him, wordplay on purpose, when it dawned on him who he was fighting in the dark, then he went from wrestling to holding. Did you see that? Like I'm wrestling with God. I'm wrestling to try to heal from this. I'm wrestling with trying to forgive. I'm wrestling with my anger. I'm wrestling with bitterness. So I'm wrestling with this stuff. And once I recognize I'm wrestling with the one who could heal me from it, from it he switches from wrestling 
to hold it. I won't let you go until you bless me. The blessing comes in the holding, not the wrestling, but the blessing comes in the holding. Now look at this. He says, okay, let me go for day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. What is your name? In other words, what is your struggle? What are you dealing with in the dark? What have you hid behind your gift? What have you been hiding behind your post? I wanna deal with the person behind the keyboard, not just the person you present in the keyframe. I wanna deal with you. What is your name? What is your struggle? What are you battling with? What is your name? Jacob means deceiver. So he's really coming to grips with what he's been battling with. I, I, I'm battling with deception. I'm battling with forgiving my mother. I'm battling with what my ex-husband did to me. I'm battling with what my ex-wife did to me, what she said about me, how she disrespected me. I'm battling with that in the dark. And I can't speak for anybody else, but I'm grateful that God deals with your Jacob at night and not at noon. At night, nobody knows about it. See, somebody who feels like you just got denied for an opportunity or doors keep closing in your life, you don't even recognize that's not closed doors, that's, that's a dressing room. I'm dealing with your Jacob because people, they're gonna judge you by your Jacob flaw but I know you have Israel on the inside of you. So let me place you in an off season where I could transition you from Jacob to Israel, from Abram to Abraham, from Sarai to Sarah, from Simon to Peter. There's a Jacob on the inside of me and there's a Jacob on the inside of you. And a lot of us have become masters at, behind, at hiding behind what we do hiding behind a post of our presented world. But in the dark, we're wrestling. We're wrestling. And for many of us, due to this topic and the session that we're dealing with on tonight, what we're wrestling with is control. I, I want to control my life. I want to control the outcome. I want to control. You are just a person that is, I want to be in control. I have control issues. And there's a few scriptures <laughs> that I want to show you. I feel like this is coming for your neck. There's a few scriptures that I want to show us really quickly. First, in Proverbs chapter 16, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Now, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, it says, the lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. Now, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, almost says the exact same thing, but just in a different way. It says, many are the plans. Somebody say, I got many plans. Put it in the room, many. 
<laughs> I got a whole lot. I know what I'm gonna do next week. I know what I'm gonna do next year. I know what I plan on doing. I know when I plan to get married. I know plans. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord. It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I know you got a lot of plans, but God's like, you got plans, but I got a purpose. And my purpose is going to prevail over your plans. The way you can lower your anxiety is when you begin to seek me for my plan, seek me for my purpose, so that you won't constantly feel disappointment because of all your plans. You got plans. Oh, you got plans. You got plans, but I got a purpose. And my purpose is going to prevail over your plans. In other words, God is just simply reminding us, I'm running this. You write your purpose in permanent marker, but you better write the steps in pencil. I'm running this. You got plans, but I got a purpose. And a way we can lower our anxiety is when we start to seek out what does God desire for me? And my plans are according to his purpose for my life. The safest place to be is in the will of God. Safety is not provided by Brinks, your Rockwaller, your 45, your 9 millimeter. The safest place to be is in the will of God. I want to continue the conversation that we had two weeks ago about control issues. This, this is going to be control issues part two. I want us to say this confession and then I'm going to pray because I just feel this. I know there was a lot, but I just wanted to set up some um, groundwork. All right. Can I get everybody to put this in the room? Father, all caps, y'all. Father, help me to remember that you control the outcome. I trust you more than my own efforts. That's a prayer right there. Somebody put it in the room. Father, help me to remember that you control the outcome. I trust you more than my own efforts. Father, right now, we, we, we come before you. We just set the atmosphere saying, God, we surrender. Surrender is so hard for many of us because we want to be at the driver's seat. We want to be at the driver's seat. We want to control the outcome. We want to try to change people, but help us to be reminded that's your job and you're a better God than we will ever be. Help us, God, to stop hiding behind our gifts, what we're really dealing with in the dark. And just maybe, just maybe, our healing journey, journey will begin when we stop wrestling with what you're trying to do. But we start holding on to you and every promise you've given us and all the word that you gave us, 66 love letters, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. Help us. To fall in love with you and hold on to your promises more than we want to be in control. We let go of the will. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody, would you put in the room, amen. 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 I feel this, y'all. This is so good. We're going to continue the conversation for this Therapy Thursday session. We're going to continue the conversation and the dialogue about control issues, control issues. And one of the things that I articulated last time we came together was it's not necessarily tomorrow that is handing us anxiety. It's not necessarily the future 
that is handing us anxiety, no? It's not, next, not necessarily what's gonna happen next month or next year that is handing us anxiety. It is the obsession, the chronic obsession to want to control it, that is. See, it's not tomorrow that's handing you anxiety. It's the chronic obsession to want to control it. Control what's gonna happen tomorrow. I wanna, I wanna control what's gonna happen next week. I wanna control what's gonna, and that is causing for us to experience anxiety. The, the, the cure of that is when we trust that God is a better God than you. God is a better God than you. And so, it may not sound good, but if we be honest, when we want to be in control, what we really are saying is, God, my plans will be better than yours. Like, my plans for when I want to be married, they'll be better than your timing. You, you taking too long. Mm -hmm. Like, my plan for how I want my ministry to grow, it will be better than, than your timing. My plan when it comes to my parents or, or my children, the plans that I have, it would be, yeah, God, it, it would be better than the way that you're doing it. <laughs> All control issues are is saying, I would be a better God at ruling my life than you would. I, I, I would produce a better outcome in a better timing than you would. But I want to remind us of something. In Psalms chapter 24, verse 1, I'll remind you this, okay? The earth, <laughs> the earth, I love how the Bible speaks for itself. That's why I'm laughing. The earth is yours. Is that what the Bible says? The earth is yours. That's not what your Bible says. The earth is yours. I can't read or something. The earth, oh, the earth is the Lord's. Okay. The earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So everything we have is just loaned to you. You're leasing everything you have, your house, your car. I don't care if it's paid off, you got the title. Everything you own, your wealth, your time, your health, your strength, your kids, your marriage, everything you have belongs to the Lord. It's just loaned to you. That's all. all we're supposed to do is steward it, steward it. When we forget that everything is his, we have control issues. Oh, your neck. We have control issues. When we forget everything we have is leased to us. It all belongs to the Lord. And many times, like I articulated in part one, the reason it's so hard for us to surrender is because once being in control, like we, when we have been married to being in control for so long, surrender feels like a divorce. Oh, it hurts to let go. Oh, it hurts to trust God's timing. Oh, it just, it just hurts to trust that God is the one that exercises vengeance. I got a plan. I know how I want to do this. But the psalmist says, hey, remember, everything in the earth is God's. You own nothing. The very breath that you have, you don't own it. It all belongs to the Lord. And control issues happen when we forget we're steward. This is good, y'all. It happens when we forget we are a steward. So why? Question, why? Why do we want to control it? Why do we have control issues? I'm not judging. I have them too sometimes. I want to control outcomes. I want to control how many people show up. I want to control how many people buy tickets. I want to control, like, you're not the only one. It's a double-edged sword. It cuts me and cuts you too. I'm right here with y'all. Why? Why do we want to control things so much? Like, outside of narcissism 
and being a perfectionist, uh-oh, you scalp, outside of narcissism and being a perfectionist because there is a thin line between being a perfectionist and a narcissist. When you are a perfectionist, you want everything the way you want it to be. And so you, come, you become a micromanaging friend. You become a micromanaging boss, a micromanaging, good Lord, pastor, a micromanaging leader because I want everything perfect. There's a thin line. It is so thin that you could cross it and not even know it. There is a thin line between perfectionism and narcissism. I want to control the outcome. I'm not talking about that. But, but why? Why do we want control so bad? Why, why, why do we want to control things so bad? I believe really there's two reasons. First one, fear. Mm-hmm. Expose it, Holy Ghost. Expose it. Fear. Yep. The reason we want to be in control so bad is due to fear. The reason we're going this route is because if you could, if you can trace it, you could unlearn it. Like, I cannot intentionally unlearn material if I don't remember the classroom with which I learned that material. Does that make sense? If you could trace it, you could learn it. The reason you want control so bad is due to fear. And fear always shows up in seed form. Please hear me. See, fear always shows up in seed form. It is our meditations and the mental scenarios that we have going on in our head that transition it from seed form to crop maturity. Does that make sense? Fear always shows up in seed form. It is our meditations, our overthinking on it. That's how we water it so it transitions from a seed to crop maturity because the mind and the heart loop the mind loops what the heart fears to feel again. At the core, the nucleus, the epicenter of wanting to be in control is due to fear. I'm afraid of what could happen tomorrow. So let me control this so that I could prohibit that. I want to control my children because I fear what would happen to them if they don't do this? So I'm going to micromanage them as a parent. We come up for all of it because I am afraid. Some of us, you know why you work so hard and you feel as though it's a pledge of honor? I'm always grinding, I'm always hustling, I'm always, you're scared. I fear experiencing an adulthood like my childhood. I don't ever want to experience that amount of poverty. I don't ever want to experience my lights being turned off like, so I work, work, and I grind, and I grind, and I work, and I work, and I grind, because I'm scared of feeling that again. I know what it was like. I don't want to go back there. I'm scared of feeling that. And one of the ways, and I articulated this, I believe, in, in this series that we're in, one of the ways that you could show that you honor the Lord and you trust him, one of the ways that you could prove that work is not your God is by resting. Sabbath principle. You work. That's biblical all day. You work, but the outcome of your work belongs to God, not you. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everything in it belongs to him. Do you work so much 
not there for your children, always tired giving your family your leftover strength because you fear being or going back to what it was like when you were a child. The nucleus of wanting to be in control is fear. Fear. Even the dreams and the risk, the, the, the risk that God is like putting in us to take. Like Peter, step out the boat. That's a risk. <laughs> Some of us, fear has caused it to where we swim back to shore without ever experiencing walking in the deep. Fear. I'm afraid of what will happen because the unknown terrifies me. It is paranoia on the throne of my heart and it terrifies me on what could happen if I don't control it. I don't trust that God will protect me tomorrow better than I could protect myself. Fear, fear. And one of the last reasons, hopefully we don't get, well, you can, hopefully I can get through it. Um, and not because this is just my story, but because I've dealt with so many people who are dealing with this. But the reason it is so hard for us to let go and trust God and why do we want to be in control so bad, it is because we had wounded souls as parents. We had wounded souls as parents. When you grow up, like when you are a child and you're not able to trust an adult, when you grow up as a child, not being able to trust an adult or your caregiver, you become an adult that doesn't trust any other adult or yourself or God. Because I grew up in an environment where it was hurtful for me to trust an adult. And when that is your childhood experience, when you grow up, and if you trusted somebody who was supposed to look after you, but they hurt you, can we get real, y'all? The church needs to talk about this more. We need to talk more about sexual abuse. We need to talk more about being molested and how to recover from that. Like when you grow up dealing with that as a child, you don't even believe or trust what God put in you because of what your stepfather put in you. That was supposed to be for your spouse, not their perversion. We talking that was supposed to be for God's glory, not your perversion. And so I have trust issues because I grew up. I grew up knowing it is dangerous for me to trust the one that I call mom. It is dangerous for me to trust the one I call dad. It is dangerous for me to trust the one I call grandfather or grandmother or stepfather. It's dangerous. And when I grow up like that, oh yeah, I have some serious control issues. Because you don't know what it was like being parented by a wounded soul. That was a hard experience for me. And so now, depending on how your household was, mama could have had two, three jobs, and you're, you're the one that's supposed to take care of the children. Like, you six. You six years old, changing diapers, washing dishes. You're six. Mama's doing everything she can. You're six years old. And so by default, what has happened is you learned that to be loved is to be needed. Hmm. So now we have people who ask questions like, man, why do I keep on attracting broken people? It's because you were raised up believing to be loved is to be needed. Is to be needed. And so now we become needy. All right. Now we become needy 
and I want to control how much time they spend with me. Do this with me. Do that with me. I want to control that because I grew up and I have been discipled to believe the way I can be loved is by being needed. It's by being needed. This is one of the reasons why I seem to keep on getting in relational context with people who really need therapy. <laughs> and, and due to unresolved childhood pain, I'm trying to be a therapist for everybody when God needs to do that. You can't fix that. Remember, you don't change them. God does. Don't join the construction crew. You can't change them. God is the one who changes people. And sometimes God will assist us by a breakup, by something being severed, by something ending unexpectedly. Here's the question for you. Did you really break up with the person or did God try to expose you to the fact that he wants you to break up with the pattern? Hmm. See, the pattern existed long before the person did. It's just that the person came and they fit so perfectly in the pattern because my pattern is to be needed. Did you really break up with the person or did you break up with the pattern? Did that really end or was it the pattern that God is trying to expose? If you could trace it, you could unlearn it. You cannot unlearn material from a classroom you forgot you took. So I'm trying to get us to see that some of this control started in childhood. Let's go a little deeper. When we have not been healed, it will be recycled. Whatever has not been healed will be recycled. This is how trauma bonds are formed. A trauma bond is when an abuser and an abusee formulate an attachment reinforced by fake love and wounded emotions that feels familiar from childhood and that trauma for some confusing reason for some confusing reason is comforting because I grew up wearing this. I grew up, like, I'm used to this. I'm used to this. And so, therefore, what ends up happening is until we heal, we will always find chemistry with those who have similar childhood dynamics. Talk, Holy Spirit, man. Talk. Expose it. This, what you calling compatibility? No. It's a pattern that we both have similar dynamics in. That's it. So God is like, okay, I need to expose this because, remember, sanctification, there is a special work that I need for you to do. You need to experience therapeutic sanctification. Heal and let me be the one that gives you treatment from that so that you won't pass on what has been passed on to you. All right? I'm going to go even deeper. You know why, oh, sisters, this, you know I'm an equal. Like, sometimes I come from the men's throat. Sometimes I come from your scalp. Okay? But one of the reasons a lot of uh, my sisters could be really, do this, do that, do that. Men will call them nagging, right? Do this. Why should you do this? You said you were going to. One reason we do that is because your daddy broke your heart before any man ever did. Your father broke your heart before any man ever did. And so really what you're trying to do is control and make sure he doesn't do it to you too. Control it to make sure that he doesn't do this to your children too. Do this. You said you were going to do this. And so it comes off to him as nagging. But 
I think maturity is when you don't just go off the opening act, you consider backstage. This comes from, my father broke my heart before you ever did. And I want, I want to try to control to make sure that doesn't happen to my children or me again. Same, same thing with men. My daddy broke my heart before anybody else ever did. Before I met you, my dad already broke my heart. And when I present the hardness or the masculinity up front, you can't really see I'm still dealing with that. At the core of why we want to control outside of perfectionism and narcissism is fear, childhood struggles. And I really want to control the outcome because I believe I could do a better job at this than God. And I'm telling you, I, I just see it, y'all. Any child who grew up misunderstood and unheard becomes an adult who overexplains. Overexplains. I'm dealing with the residue. I'm dealing with the afterbirth of what I came out of. I never got hugs as a child. Some of us are affectionate, but you have learned how to cope with not getting it. Oh, this is so good. You have learned how to cope with not getting it. So now, if I feel like somebody's around me, I feel rejected so easily. Not because they don't really like you and that's why they didn't invite you, but because there's a lot of things on the inside of me that I want to control because, let's say it right, I was supposed to get it as a child. I was supposed to get affirmations from my parent. I was supposed to get love from my parent. Since I didn't get it in living rooms, I've been looking for it in bedrooms. I was supposed to get it when I was a child, but I didn't. And sometimes we try to control the outcome and try to even control people because I don't want to continue to feel that pain anymore. So there, there, there's a chart I want us to see, last time I had a different chart, this one is a little different. And we're gonna end with this, and I wanna pray because I just feel it, y'all. Um, this chart is about what God controls and what we control, all right? First thing you have to see is God controls the outcome. You control your obedience. God controls the door. It don't matter how hard you push, no matter how hard you grind, God, God controls every open door, and every closed door. The only thing that you can control is your efforts. That's it. God controls the change. You can't change people. You can't change situations. You can't even make a season change. The only thing that you can change is your posture. Mm -hmm. God changes the, the width of a thing. God controls the width of a thing, meaning how far something will reach, how many follows something happens, how influential. That is God's doing. What is your doing? All you could do is be excellent. Excellence. So from part one, you have to watch part one and part two. I think this will give us a compass or GPS system to start to navigate towards being an individual who is letting go of the will and trusting God because God controls outcomes, not me. The only thing I can control it's my obedience, my effort, my posture, and my excellence. God controls the door, the change, and the width 
of how far something gets or how big something grows, not you. And the psalmist reminded us, everything you have is loaned to you. This is all the Lord's. Even your life and your breath belongs to God. The reason we have control issues is because we forgot we are just stewards. Father, help us. Help us to remember we're just stewards. Help us, God, to just get this. It's not easy, but this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Help us to begin to embrace the process of trusting you. Help us with each therapy Thursday or whoever else, other healers that you place in our life. Help us to heal so that we will stop continuing in patterns and cycles that are, that are detrimental for our peace and won't be conducive for, make, for helping us make destiny decisions. I pray that you bring comfort to the man that's watching this or listening to this, comfort to the woman that's watching this or listening to this, and remind them, if the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, you are mine as well. And my interest for you is more than you will ever have for yourself. Help us to trust you. Once again, give us the faith, Father, to let go of the will and give you worship. In Jesus' name, amen.